Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Eric Newman, BJ Armstrong. BJ, before we dive in, holiday time, ball, food, friends, family, movies. Ooh. What's your what's your favorite holiday movie? You know, I'm, I'm not really a my my favorite is it's not a gonna, movie. It's gonna, TV. Are you no. gonna Grinch us right now? You're just gonna Grinch well, us. I away. I am a Grinch. I am a Grinch. <laughs> I, I I you know I'm a Scrooge. I have to admit that. But Charlie Brown is my favorite. That's like my favorite character, like all time. He's like one that of makes, my favorite. That makes perfect sense. You know, Charlie Brown is like one of my favorite characters. Right. It's um, Home Alone. You know, is always up there uh miracle on 34th street is there my wife makes me watch that every year um uh, so but charlie brown is that's my character <laughs> that, that, that's my guy <laughs> you know love it, love you know, it. That, that, that's, you, that, you the charlie brown music here it, yeah and 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 every year i put a charlie brown christmas tree in my kids room as a as kind of like that's kind of like my thing da, 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 da. it's it's the great and it's it's the it's the greatest he's charlie brown just makes me laugh i so, i get so, charlie brown i get so be, so be honest do you walk around or drive around listening to the charlie brown music during holiday time i do no you, you don't understand so I, you I, walk, I don't you like walk it into the office and your theme is charlie brown i i, I, I love charlie brown Charlie Brown just does it for me. <laughs> love it. I, I, I just love, I love the themes. I love the humor behind it. And I get it. Whatever it is, I get it about Charlie Brown. Poor Linus. Poor Linus. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you know, what, what I love about uh, our friendship and doing the show together is uh, we are, we are never afraid to, uh, come at things from different uh, sides of the spectrum. So uh, for me, it's always been one film. I saw it in the theater as a kid and it's, it's Die Hard. Die Hard oh, is yeah. the, the ultimate holiday film because it takes place uh, on Christmas in LA and turns into this unbelievable action packed adventure, but it is a, technically it is a Christmas film. So, oh yeah. I'm a big Die Hard fan. It's, I don't know the last time no you Charlie said Brown. That. It's no Charlie Brown. But it's, it's, <laughs> you know, I've got you know, I've got international criminals coming over to take over a uh, an, an LA skyscraper, and uh, and and uh, the plot that uh, you know.
you know, plays itself out there and you've got an all time classic cartoon. So I know. I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. My, one of my favorite Charlie Brown saying is I love mankind. It's the people I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you, I, That's hey, all you. That sums it up. That sums it up right there. That just sums it up. You know, like only Charlie Brown could get away with saying something like that. I think we got to put that quote on a t-shirt. <laughs> with your face faded in the background. That's great. That's great. So as, as we're in the holiday week and NBA on Christmas has become this, this, this huge, this huge tradition, this huge day. I was doing some research on this um, last week. And, you know, if you've been listening to BJ and I for a while, you know, we both have certain things we're always drawing upon, whether it's experiences or uh, players we love to watch, teams, etc. And it's very hard to argue that the NBA since the 07-08 season has been just on this unbelievable roller coaster ride in terms of popularity, global growth, teams, player movement, all this great stuff. And 07-08, of course, is the season where the Lakers and the Celtics met in the finals for the first time since 1987. And obviously, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Derek Fisher, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom, that squad, KG, Pierce, Allen, Rondo, and uh, that helped propel the NBA into the the next decade um, starting that year. So on Christmas Day 2008, there were three Christmas Day games. And then... I'm sorry, Christmas Day 2007, there were three Christmas Day games. The next year is when they amped it up to five games in one day. And we've seen some great matchups. Obviously, it's uh, winning franchises, star power players, and how many entertaining matchups can we create? And hell, this is a business. And market against and, and have people watching on Christmas Day and up until this year, there's always been a game at the Garden to go to, and, and I've been to a bunch of them in the past, and despite the Knicks' struggles, uh, that's always a good time too. But, you know, when the schedule came out, you know, months ago, and we started to anticipate what some of these matchups look like, there were a few on here we were really excited about, but because of health and, and how the season has gone for some teams, uh, we're not going to get those. So the Warriors and the Rockets – Despite the great start from the Rockets and Russell Westbrook on the team, we know what's happened with the Warriors. We're not getting the matchup we thought, so we're going to have to press pause and hold on that until next year when Clay and Steph are healthy. The Pelicans and the Nuggets, which is the last game on Christmas night, we thought would be a really fun matchup because we'd have Zion Williams, the exciting young and improved Pelicans, playing the exciting uh, Denver Nuggets. But Zion hasn't played yet this season, so we're not getting that either. But what we do have other than that is we have arguably, and I say arguably arguably now because the Miami Heat and Indiana Pacers uh, are very much in the discussion, but we've got Celtics Raptors, Bucks Sixers, four of the six best teams in the Eastern Conference matching up to start us out on Christmas Day, noon and 2.30, and then we go to L.A. for the Battle of L.A. Uh, Christmas night. 8 p.m. Eastern, BJ, who's this a bigger game for? And I know it's December, but it's Christmas. The whole world is watching. Who's, who's, got, the, uh, who's got the pressure on them more? Who's it a bigger game for, the Lakers or the Clippers? Lakers, without question. 
Why? No, has no hesitation. No, no, because the, the the Lakers, the Lakers have to show the Clippers that they can win a street fight. The Clippers aren't coming to play basketball on Christmas Day. The Clippers aren't coming to out execute the L.A. Lakers. The Clippers are coming to fight. That's what they're coming for. Man, I'm and fired up. And 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 here's the answer that the Lakers have to to, to here's the here is the question that the Lakers have to answer. Do the Lakers know the difference between a boxing match and a street fight? If the answer is yes, then I think that they will gain the respect of the Clippers. Because right now, I don't think the Clippers feel that the Lakers can win a street fight. And the Lakers, yes, they have the best record. Yes, the Lakers have incredible talent. Yes, they have depth. They have all of the things. They've had a terrific coaching and all of the things they on paper yes but the clippers still believe that they can win that street fight and i look for the phys i'm looking at the physicality of the game i'm not looking at the game on who's just going to win the game on the scoreboard i'm looking who's going to win the game in the trenches who's going to win the game in the paint who who is going to set this who's going to set the stage for that we are coming with the same physicality and we're bringing the same presence to the game that the Clippers are going to bring because I can assure you that the Clippers are going to try to strike first the Clippers are going to look to punch the, the Lakers right in their mouth that's what they're going to look to do and they're they're going to bring it they're going to they're going to have this game where they're coming to play tough and they're not giving up an inch and I think the Lakers have to answer that question can they meet that intensity level here in LA because the Clippers are going to bring it. So it sounds like we've got an R-rated LA Christmas coming. Well, well, well yeah, I mean, look, anytime you are have they, Patrick are the kids, Beverly. Are, are, the kids, are, they, are the kids going to have to go to bed early? Well, I, I think so because the, 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 the Clippers are trying to take. That's the, that's, that is, to me, that is what gets me fired up about watching this rivalry right here in LA. The Clippers aren't asking for permission to take this. To can they play with them? They're going to take what they deservingly or what they rightfully believe is theirs. They're taking LA and they're going for it. And they're unapologetic about how they're going about this. And that's what I love because the competition of the game is there. The Clippers understand the task at hand. And they are focused on the task. You know, they're not worried about games that they lose against Milwaukee. They are concerned about, can we be the last team standing when the smoke clears? And that's what Doc Rivers has instilled in this team. They feel that when the playoffs begin, that they have a team that they can win four out of seven. I and they feel mean, very I focused am, about I it. Am, I am thinking about the environment I want to create to watch this game. So we've, got, know, Celtics at, we've got Celtics at noon, Buck Sixers at 2.30. Then maybe I'll take a little bit of, a, of an afternoon pause, get up off the couch, get my blood flowing a little bit. Maybe, maybe 
maybe get a, a, a pre-battle for L.A. workout in. So I'm ready. You're going to be feeling like this is game seven of the Western Conference it, Finals. Well, right? well, well it, it is because th- these guys have to – when I say these guys, these teams have to understand what they're playing for. Now, mentally, they're all trying to gain an edge. I'm willing to bet you right now that the Clippers are going to make the first hard foul during this game. Because they want that other team to think about, do you really, really want to go there? Because we're going there. The Clippers are going to go there. They are trying to gain a mental edge on this team. When you when when the when the Chicago Bulls played against the Detroit Pistons, it wasn't until we understand the mental game that was being played that we were able to actually win the game, let alone that series. And that is the that's the mental toughness that we're talking about here. And we know Doc Rivers understands that world. He understands that world. Mentally, they are going to challenge the Lakers on Christmas Day. And you watch who, you watch who brings the fight to the game. And, 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 and without question, the Clippers are going to do this. Can't wait. Can't wait. So LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Paul, George, they normally grab the headlines, but we've got a lot of characters playing out in this drama. Who outside of those four, who's going to be the guy? Whether it's one Laker, one Clipper, or one in general, who's going to be the guy who's going to be the difference maker on Christmas Day? Well, you know, I, I look for Rondo because Rondo understands, you know, Rondo didn't play in the first game against the, 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 against the Clippers. I look for Rondo's leadership to understand the game that's being played mentally. Avery Bradley understands the mental game that's being played. Patrick Brevley is going to bring his game. Patrick Brevley is going to do what Patrick Brevley does. Mm-hmm. I just think the physicality of the game, I'm looking for which team is going to bring it first and which team is going to not take a step back because that is the game. You can lose a game. Sometimes, you know, you can lose, you can win a game, but actually lose the game. It's how you, you have to learn how to win in this league and you have to learn how to lose in this league. The Clippers just want the Lakers to understand, can you fight? And are you willing to fight for seven games? And if there's any doubt or any hesitation, the Clippers will win, even though they may not win on the scoreboard during the regular season. That is what gamesmanship is all about. Yes, we will be counting the score of the game and we'll be reporting and talking about who won the game on Christmas. But who's going to win the game within the game will determine who will actually come out of the Western Conference. Because I believe that one or one of these two teams will come out. And I think that starts today. And the Clippers struck first. They were ready to fight game one of the regular season. They were ready to fight. Now I want to see the response of the Lakers. I'm not worried about the talent. They got the talent. I want to see who's going to come out now with the physicality that's necessary to play in this level game because I expect the intensity to be an all-time high from the get-go because the Clippers are going to bring it. They're going to bring it. 
For sure. I'm, I'm envisioning Pat Bev picking up Rondo oh, full court man-to-man. I'm envisioning court. Avery Bradley picking up Lou Williams full court man-to-man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to be really dialed in on this. I'm, I'm really excited oh. about it. And, and, and to your point about the street fight and about taking the fight to them. And listen, Lakers are on pace for uh, an unbelievable record this season. But when it comes down to facing an opponent like this, every other night in a seven-game series, that's a lot different than the flow of a, of, of a season where it's one team and then the next and then the next. And um, this, is, um, this is potentially some historic stuff in the making if, if these teams uh, find a way to uh, face each other in the Western Conference Finals this spring. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, first game of the day. The Celtics head to Toronto. They beat the Raptors early in the season. Uh, I think before people realized what the Celtics were going to be, they beat the Raptors 112-106. It was a big fourth quarter at the Garden. Brown, Tatum, Walker, and Hayward uh, is the first sign of what that foursome can be when healthy all at 15-plus in that game and each averaging, uh, you know, over 17 this season. Celtics, obviously, they need to get Gordon back in the flow. Marcus Smart needs to get back in the lineup. But um, this is, a, this is a, a team that's coming into its own. Toronto, we know what they've done uh, with, with Siakam and Van Fleet and just continue to, to, to win games. So um, how do you see the Celtics' balanced attack faring not just against the Raptors, but uh, as we go deeper into the season? Well, the Celtics continue, you know, we keep talking about, you know, we look at their roster. We like, we all like their roster. We like their youth. We like the players that they have, but for whatever the reason may be, they seem like a team that hasn't been able to reach the elite level that we all see on paper. And you know, I look at this game against the Toronto Raptors. This kid Siakam has taken a step now. He is, you know, do I dare say he's got his head. He's got one foot in there to that superstar realm, you know. And, you know, I, I don't really – back in our era when, when you know, when I played, there, you know, there were star players and there were superstar players, right? The Larry Burrs, the Magic Johnsons, those were the superstar guys. Today, I look at these players and I go, you know, you have good players, you have really good players, and you have elite players. Siakam is an elite player now. He's he's beginning to – he's got one foot in that circle where he is an elite player because of his ability of what he does, not only on the offensive end but the defensive end as well. He affects the bottom line of the game, the way he plays, especially in today's game. And when I look at the Celtics, they have some really good players. But to get to that level, you have to have an elite player that affects the game bottom, that affects the bottom line of the game. And the Celtics yet ha- haven't figured out that formula, whatever that may, whatever that is. They have some really good players, but can they beat the elite player? You know, can they beat the Giannis's? Can they beat the Siakams? Can they beat the Joel Embiid's? Because those guys are elite players. And the way the game is played, you you normally put the ball in your best player or your the player that affects the game at that level, and you ride them. And 
that has been for the last two years, whether, you know, we thought Kyrie was going to be that player. It didn't prove out. Now, you know, we have Kimball Walker here and, and the chemistry seems better and all of the things that we, you know, we've heard about from the outside, but they have yet to come together to say, you know, this is a team that can actually win the Eastern conference. I'm not sure uh, because of injuries, they had had some injuries and that, that's part of the game, but certainly you look at their roster and it's like, we keep waiting, but it hasn't happened for them yet. They've had some really great moments. They've had a couple of tough losses. They they managed to keep winning when Gordon was out for a month with the fracture in his hand. He had hand surgery. They put a plate in. He came back. He got hit in the face, and he sat out with a sore foot for a, a game or two. So we'll see. Obviously, Marcus Smart uh, is, a, is a unique piece to this team. You know, many of the analysts are saying now, well, the Celtics, you got to take them seriously. Maybe they're just a big away. They've been playing uh, the five spot by committee with Ennis Cantor, with Daniel Tice, um, and they play small. So we'll see. But the, the, they know who they are, and it starts for them defensively. And Jalen and Jason have been outstanding. Marcus is their heart and soul. Kemba is their closer. And Gordon was really really off to a strong start and hopefully he'll find his stride again uh, coming out of the holidays and, and into 2020. So the other Eastern matchup that you need to pay attention to and uh, you know, Philly played a, a really entertaining game last week against Miami. Uh, they lost at home their first uh, home loss of the season. We've got the Bucks. We've got the Sixers. Many have them on a collision course for the conference finals. Milwaukee, uh, as we record this, first in defensive rating, second in offensive rating, first in rebounding, first in effective field goal percentage. We know how great Giannis is. The supporting cast has been extremely impressive. What can Philly do to slow down these Milwaukee Bucks? Well, you know, that, that's, 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 a, that's a loaded question there. You know, What I, other I kind of questions say, do I ask you? They're all loaded. I know, but, you know, Milwaukee, you know, they look, they, they have perhaps the best player in the game today. Uh, certainly there's an argument to be made about Giannis and what he brings. So that, that, that's the starting point. When you think of the Milwaukee Bucks, you're not going to stop this young man. You have to be able to contain him and match his energy. Now, Philadelphia has a player that certainly when you look at him and what he's bringing in Joel Embiid, you have to figure out if he brings his A game and matches the energy that Giannis expends during the course of a game. Philadelphia, you know, has that player that over the last two or three games, you know, was talked about when he was criticized by Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. You know, that's the one thing about bigs I've always said. You know, bigs are different. They're, they're, they're just, they're, they're different beings, you know. They, they, they understand one another. You know, it's one thing for us guards to criticize a big, but when an, an, another big talks to another big, they understand each other. And I just thought that was a great exchange when Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley, who are bigs and bigs, they can talk to other bigs in a way that we we can't. And Joel Joel Embiid has responded. Now, the fact that he has responded lets me know 
what we've also always suspected that he hasn't been playing the game at his at his optimum level because of whatever that may be conditioning maybe he's not motivated or what have you but the fact that he has another gear you're saying okay why do we have to go there to get this out of him if he's able to bring his a game for the rest of the season Joel Embiid should probably be the most unguardable player in the NBA because of his athleticism, because of what he does, not only in the interior on the offensive end, what he can shoot the three ball and defensively he can dominate a game, but you got to be in condition to do that. And if he's able to play this, the game at this level, Philadelphia has my attention because there isn't an answer for the size and strength of what Joel brings. The question is, we don't know what to expect consistently from Joel NB because we see it, you know, when he played at, at actually at Boston, he just took the game to another level and Al Horford wasn't even playing. When Joel NB plays at that level, what did he get like 38 points or, or something? Yeah, I mean, he just he was, dominated he was, the game. He was, yeah, he was, he was high 20s, high rebound numbers, just, uh, took it upon himself yes. to dominate the game. And, and let me say this about him, and this is, this is in defense of Joel Embiid. This is not a guy that grew up in the United States watching basketball every day, being in overly hyper-competitive environments where – you're either learning that mean streak from who you're watching on television or that big brother figure at the park or the high school or AAU coach. Like he was discovered internationally, came over here, went to the University of Kansas, one of the great programs of all time, had to evolve as a young man, physically, mentally, work on his skills, get comfortable, fight injuries, then comes into the NBA with all this hype the situation in Philadelphia where they're losing constantly saying, trust the process. And all this pressure is on him along with Ben Simmons to be the savior of the franchise. So the fact that he's responding to this criticism from Shaq and others is incredible. But I think what people have to understand is this mean streak, this fire, this, this killer instinct to dominate. That's something that has to be developed. That's not, a light switch that he's just going to be able to flip. It's got to be consistently worked on and consistently practiced night in and night out, how you practice, how you prepare, how you condition in the off season, and then ultimately how you compete against other grown ass men in the NBA. Yeah, and, and look, you know, I, I've heard that argument and, and I, and, and I respectfully disagree. It's either you have the killer instinct or you don't. You don't develop a killer instinct. Either you have that competitive streak in you or you don't. No, then let me correct myself. Maybe he just needed something to bring it out of him because clearly it's there somewhere. We've seen it. You referenced the Celtics game, you know, a week before the holiday. We, we've seen it. Well, it's there. So well, is it is it maturity? BJ, that leads to the consistency of bringing it out every night. How, how do you how, how do you figure that out? Well, when you when you when you have bigs, and you have great players, you know it's one thing that 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 I've been able to learn as a player, right? And when you you got to touch the human, you got to touch the human side of every player that you're working with, right? 
of when you have a great talent, you will only win when that talent or when those players say it's time to win. You will only win in this game when that player or that team says it's time to win. That's the first thing. We all have our our road to when we will become professionals. See, that, that that's the discipline of the game. Talent and potential and development and all of those things have nothing to do with the professionalism that is required from this game that's required. And one of the things that's required that Joel has struggled with thus far, and we all have, we all have gaps in our game. There is no such thing as a perfect player. Joel has struggled with his ability to be in the condition that is necessary for him to play at his peak. That's been his downfall. He has yet to have the discipline to be in tip-top condition. I can live with Joel not having a great game. I can. Every player has had a bad game. Every single player. Believe it or not, the best of the best that's ever played in this game has had bad games. But some things are unacceptable, like not being in great condition. Because that's unacceptable as a professional. You know, as a player myself, yeah, it was impossible for me to make every shot but wasn't impossible is for me to want to make every shot and to be in the proper condition to do that. And that's my only thing with Joel as Joel continues to mature and understand what is required of him, things that he can control. No one's asking Joel to have average 38, 40 points a game and do what he did in that one game. But what we are saying is that Joel, you have a skill set and a potential that not many have. I mean, this young man is a Hall of Fame-like talent. He's a Hall of Fame talent. And in order for him to reach that potential, it requires something of him that he's got to give back to, which is I have to be in the proper condition to do that. And that is the only thing. And I think that's what Shaq and Charles and all of the people who are fans of the game, look, he is that good of a player but he's got to bring something too you just can't like you know you can't just no, you blame can't just show up the, you can't just show up yeah, you just, the, the, sure. yeah you just, absolutely and that's and, and when you watch Giannis play Giannis the 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 amount of energy that he brings to the game to me is more impressive more impressive than the numbers he's putting up in the game I mean this mm-hmm. He he expends so much energy during a game that I'm just I'm, I'm just impressed by that alone. It's you know, contagious. I, as, it's contagious. It, it really is. I mean, you're and going if, and you're if going, he can do that for Philly, it's going to have the oh, same effect that Giannis has on the Bucks. Contagious. It, uh, it's 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 unbelievable when you see a person. Look, it's easier to play on the offensive end than the defensive end. Because, you know, you got the ball, you know what you're going to do, you're doing your thing, coach is calling your play. But when you see someone expending the same amount of energy on both ends of the floor, playing against double teams and triple teams every single night, you know, that, that's a respect. That's a respect that you got to give the game. Giannis's respect for the game of basketball and his responsibility to his team, that is the most impressive thing about watching him is that he is expending twice the energy as anyone else 
on the floor every single night. And he willingly does that because he understands what I'm about to say. We are in the business of winning. That's the business we're in. We chose this business. And now here's a young man that's willing to accept that responsibility and holds himself accountable to saying, it's not good enough for me to be in average shape. It's not good enough for me to be in good shape. I have to be in superior shape because I got to do what I got to do. We always talk about and we always talk about in environments and culture and all of those things. The great cultures do the same thing. They find a way to win while the bad cultures find a way to lose. There you have it. This kid, th this kid, Giannis, is finding a way. Okay. We said today, we talk about it all the time. We talk about teams that supposedly, you know, everybody's got to be able to shoot the three. Everybody's got to be able to do this. Well, what's Giannis's excuse? He doesn't, he doesn't shoot the three at a high clip. He doesn't even shoot free throws at a high clip. But to his credit, he understands the bottom line of this business. You got to find a way. Mm -hmm. Because when he does start shooting that three ball and when he does start shooting 70% or better, Y'all better beat Giannis right now. And I and you've heard me say this before. You better beat yep. him right now because when he starts shooting consistently from the perimeter, it's over. Yeah, and we're already it's seeing we're, we're already seeing improvements made. They may not show up with drastic increases in the percentage, but his confidence to shoot it from deep is already happening. Oh, so man. and and, uh, and, 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 I, I, and working I'm with you. Is, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you you, you gotta you, he finds a way. It's just like uh, Bruce Willis's character in Die Hard, John McClane. He finds a way. <laughs> he finds a way. I like how so, you came back to that. Yeah, well, credit Mike Lieber. He gave me the reminder. So, um, <laughs> last item as we head into Christmas Day, you played on Christmas Day. Yes, five times. You are yes. a perfect five and zero. Oh. All oh, the Bulls. I did. I thank you, Mike. I did not know that. I did not know that. What uh, What was most memorable for you playing uh, playing on Christmas? Well, you know, Eric, um, playing on Christmas was was something. Uh, I mean, if I can be radically honest here, I, I really struggled with because uh, as a kid growing up. You know, you're you have this time that you spend with your family and and doing those things. And once I made a commitment to playing basketball, um, the holidays always meant something else because every holiday since I was in high school, there was always a a tournament that I played in in high school over Thanksgiving, and it was always a Christmas tournament. So I remember my dad saying, "You know what? If you're gonna be committed to the game like you said you are you you know your words and your actions and your behaviors have to all be lined up either you're going to be committed to your family and want to do the things that everyone else is going to do during the holidays or you're going to be committed to your craft and if you're going to be committed to your craft you have to have discipline to be able to play and perform and I always took that to heart especially on Christmas because I had to have the discipline to not celebrate and do all the things that we would normally associate with Christmas. And um, that just required me to be, you know, a professional. And I, and I missed out a lot on Christmas because I was always dedicated to my crafts, you know, while everyone else was, 
you know, getting ready on Christmas Eve, I, I was getting my rest while everyone else was, you know, opening gifts. I was getting to the gym early to prepare for a game. And so I've always struggled with the holidays. And even now I, I struggle because I, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm always, I'm trying to reintroduce myself to celebrate the holidays in a way that, you know, that, that you celebrate because I was always playing and performing during the holidays. And uh, so that's something that I've, I kind of took to heart from my, from my, my dad, when he told me, you know, if you're going to be dedicated to this, you got to understand the discipline that's required to you and go out and take your craft. So fortunately I was with a team there in Chicago where there were a bunch of guys who had the same mentality and there was nothing for us to practice on Christmas Eve. There was nothing for us to show up on Christmas Day and go to a shoot around or whatever and do what we had to do because that was the life we chose and we all accepted that. So um, that was then, this is now, but really, you know, I always struggled with the holidays because you don't get a chance during the, you don't get a chance during that time to spend time with your loved ones like you probably want because I was on the road, I was preparing and that was my job. So that's kind of, it's kind of a bittersweet moment for me because it was always tough because you wanted to be with your family because you're gone for the whole year. And then here was another opportunity where, you know, business called again and you had to do what you had to do. But, um, you know, I, I, that's, you know, that's kind of the truth of it is, is what Christmas has always meant to me planned during that time. No, for sure. And I think it gets lost on people that, you know, whether it's you back then or players today are human, you need downtime, you need family time, you, you want to experience that uh, during the course of, of what is a, a crazy uh, journey through the season. So um, love when you're brutally honest on our topics and memories not like yeah, you are yeah, but, that, but no uh, sharing sharing that isn't always easy so you know no it, it isn't and you know and uh you know now like i mean it's something as simple as just you know I, I i was you know i had kids uh back when i was playing and uh you know in the ranges of my kids um my oldest is 19 and my youngest is four and being able to just watch my youngest just open gifts and be there without any distractions because I missed that before. And so it's kind of like I'm getting a chance now in my fifties to experience what I missed mm -hmm. all the way back then. And yes, is it fun to play on Christmas? Yes. Is it fun to compete? Was I doing exactly what I love to do? What I have had in any other way? The answer is, you know, look, of course, that's what I was to do. But again, you learn how much you've missed, right? The things that really matter, which is family and being around the loved ones and having just an opportunity just to be with your family during that time, right? And um, so it's kind of a bittersweet moment for me. And I always feel for those games on Christmas because and during the holidays, because I think of all of the times I missed being with my parents during Thanksgiving or I missed being with my family and the people of the loved ones during the holidays because I was always on the road going somewhere. And um, and it's kind of fun now to watch and to be at home and actually 
watch the games on the couch with my kids and argue about who's the best player and do those things because I missed all of that. I mean, literally, this is like all kind of brand new in a sense, which is, that's the truth. And, um, but again, I, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way, but that's, that's the sad truth about it. No, good stuff. And uh, I'm sure we will be trading messages and texts and sarcasm as we uh, often do during uh, <laughs> game afternoons and evenings. So I will be bothering you as soon as the Celtics take control in Toronto. Uh, uh, starting at 12 p.m. <laughs> so I look forward to it. I hope you have a great holiday, my man, with uh, with your fam and friends. And uh, I'm looking forward to some, some downtime with, uh, with my parents and some other people here in New York. And, of course, uh, really enjoying these games and, and, and catching up on some movies, too. So, BJ, uh, watch Die Hard because I know you haven't watched it in years. Get that back on the list. And uh, this was great today. I'm glad we got this done before the holiday. I hope everyone out there has a wonderful holiday. Thank you for continuing to listen, enjoy, share the Pure Hoops podcast and our other shows from Pure Hoops Media. Special thanks, as always, to our superstar producer, Mike Lieber, the one and only Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops Media team and family. Uh, Don't worry. Mike Wise and his show are back on Mondays, Catch and Shoot 2.0, Wednesdays, Bucket Spores and Blocks with Monica McNutt, Thursdays. Keep an eye out for all the good grassroots stuff with the Made Hoops podcast coming at you as well. BJ and I will be back after the holidays, uh, not only with what's going on present day, but we're brewing up some some fun stuff to take a look back on uh, the decade that it has been in the NBA and basketball. And we've got quite a, th- uh, quite a few things, excuse me, to sort through on that front. So uh, have a great holiday, everybody. And uh, remember, always stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.